0: Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after this past synod, and looking forward to this next synod, Things are really starting to get messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. We also want to say thank you to everyone who sponsored us on Patreon We're slowly making our way to our modest goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com slash themessyreformation. You can also support us for free by sharing our content. I'm a terrible self-marketer and everyone knows that now, so I need your help. If you know of anyone who would benefit from listening to this content, let them know about the Messy Reformation. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with President Hookstra and Todd Zaitema from Dort University. Well, we're really excited to have Todd Zaidema and President Hookstra on from Dort University this week. And uh, I'm just going to have Todd kick us off. Todd, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in the CRC and, and what your role is at DORT?
1: Well, Jason, Willie, thanks for having us on. Um, a little bit of my background. Um, my name is Todd Zaidema, and I serve here as director of church relations here at, at DORT University. I've uh, filled this position for a little over two and a half years. Um, my roots is I am a lifetime Member of the CRC. um, Born and raised in South Central Iowa. Um, Grew up in Sully CRC and then right before um, my last year of high school moved to Pella with my family. Um, Came to Dort University in uh, 1988 and graduated after five years. uh, uh, Added an English minor and a fiancé during that time so added an extra year. And um, and uh, kind of discern my call to ministry. I was a music education major, but uh, during that time in between, um, felt God's calling, which uh, to ministry, which had been throughout my life a little bit, but I finally uh, um, submitted to that and uh, went to Calvin Seminary in 1995. Graduated in 99. Uh, served in West Michigan at uh, Mayfair uh, Christian Reformed Church, uh, a church now that has been absorbed into uh, the Encounter uh, churches. I think that the main campus is in Kentwood. And then in 2005, um, I accepted a call to Hope Christian Reformed Church in Hall, Iowa, served there for 15 years, a little over, and then uh, ended up coming to Dort after that.
0: Yeah, and so what, uh, I guess maybe one of the questions people would ask, what exactly does a church relations manager do?
1: Right. I'm sure that Eric would be able to speak to it a little bit more on the need that they saw, but as it was communicated to me is to say church relationships that we have enjoyed at Dort University since its founding in the 50s, have been very key to the success of the university. But with the changing climate of denominations and churches, as well as the greater diversity of of young men and women who are coming to Dort, they saw an increasing need to not take those relationships for granted and to have someone kind of running point. Uh, Keeping in good contact with churches who have known us for a long time and have been a key support for us, But then also, I think, reaching out to students who have come to Dort and maybe from a church or a region um, where Dort is becoming a little bit more familiar name, but don't have those natural contacts and me being a bridge. And then finally, I go out, you could say, as an ambassador for Dort uh, to try and find uh, students, churches, um, Christian schools Across North America, who we feel are a great mission fit for Dort, but just haven't heard about us yet, and okay. to be able to to uh, yeah share with them, it'll come up. In the past past uh, ten years, we have grown uh, over forty percent in enrollment, and many of those students have come outside of say the traditional Christian Reformed uh, denomination. Yeah.
0: yeah. Amen. Well, thanks, Todd. Uh, president hookstra or from now on we'll call you just eric like we're friends right. to here uh, um, why don't why don't you give us a little bit of your history um in the crc and and kind of what led to you becoming president of dort university
2: sure um i was baptized in the christian reformed church and still a member um today interesting side note both of the last two presidents dr Carl eilstra and myself were both baptized at eastern avenue christian reformed church which we could circle back to the Interesting history of Eastern Avenue, um, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not a great church historian, but I believe that's where the Protestant Reformed yep. Church um, spurred its uh, genesis from that congregation. And both Carl and I uh, were baptized in that church. Um, yeah. Grew up in Chicago, Was attended Trinity Christian College, was planning on pre-seminary, was my major. I was a history and philosophy major. And then in the middle of my senior year of college, my elders asked me to um, teach catechism, and I did. But I found out I was so bad at it, and I hated it so much, I decided not to become a pastor. Um, a <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek there, but not entirely. Uh, that That experience of teaching catechism said to me, I'm not ready for seminary, at least not yet. And so my wife and I at the time... I said I I may go back to seminary someday and become a pastor but it's not right for me to do it immediately after undergrad. So went uh, into the business world and yeah, ended up with a master's degree in business and I really never went back to seriously consider seminary. I have deep respect for those who have. Uh, my father graduated from from Calvin Seminary um and anyway, but it's just that it wasn't my calling, but I thought it was throughout uh Throughout my undergraduate, but my wife and I moved here 26 years ago for me to teach business at Dort. I only taught for three years, kind of that same experience teaching here told me that it wasn't my calling. Um, I could do it kind of like catechism. I could do it and it was okay, but it wasn't, wasn't something I jumped at every morning to do. So I only taught for three years and then now I've been president for 11 years. We can go into over the last 26 years, uh, Taught for three, was provost for four, been president for eleven, and owned a company here in Iowa with some partners for eight. So that's the last twenty six years.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I appreciate, um, and, and I I know you're you're pretty passionate about this as well, is um, one of the things I've, I've noticed in the lives of of younger men as they're getting passionate about studying God's word and passionate about their faith. There can be this nudge where they think, "Oh, then I must be going into the ministry. Like that's the way I can I can live this out." And uh, and I I love being able to see people who are passionate about studying God's word, um, also in the business world and in the you know that's one of the things that Dort University is really all about is trying to train up people to be in their vocation, um, doing that. And so I yeah, I appreciate seeing that in your story as well.
2: You know, it's wild. Uh, one of my professors at Trinity. Taught philosophy and actually taught me that, you know, from a reform world and life view, every occupation had equal standing. But interestingly, when I was pre-SEM, he was all about uh, mentoring me. When I told him I was going into business, he basically disowned me and said, I did not spend four years training you up so you could go chase profits. (laughs) And I still in my heart, it's like it was a sad moment for me. Um, We never really reconciled. Um, and I thought, wow, you taught me that you could serve God in any occupation. And then when I decide that God has called me into business, you kind of disowned me. That was a really weird moment for me. I'll have oh, to say yeah.
0: that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, I could tease Willie about that too, right? Willie, we've been, I've been discipling you for how long and you're still not a pastor. Wait, you've but, been discipling me? Yeah. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. I can't, I can't. I can. <laughs> not anymore. I not <laughs> Yeah, not anymore. No, I, I said now it's no longer, you know, Willie and I's relationship started off. He was a freshman in college or in high school when I became a youth pastor. So we've been doing this for 15 years, but That's it's not awesome. really a mentorship type thing anymore. Now we're now we're just colleagues.
3: Well, we'll see. But but uh, no, I, I wanted to ask you, Eric, you said you had actually taught for was it three years, you
2: said? Three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you teach in those three years? Uh, I taught marketing mainly, and um, ran our internship program for business students at Dort. Taught entrepreneurship as well. Um, Dort at that point never had a class in entrepreneurship, and so I started that. And now we have a center, interestingly enough, on entrepreneurship. Mainly marketing and entrepreneurship courses.
3: Okay, very interesting. That's wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
2: I'd love to, to hear Todd, a little, no, little bit. If I can, about your question to Todd, like, what does a director of church relations do? You know, Dort. I'm the first president at Dort who did not have a preaching license um, or hadn't gone through seminary. So Reverend Hahn, Reverend Hulst, and Dr. Zalstra all were seminarians. All had been churchmen and preached. Probably Dr. Zalstra probably preached 35 weeks a year in the in the, in the supporting churches around Dort. And when I became president, all of a sudden I couldn't preach. People actually asked me to preach, and I I take seriously that whole, you know, license to exhort deal. My father had one, and he had to renew that, you know, every three or four years with classes. And today, probably, there's a pile of churches that would let me preach just because of my title as president of Dort, but I would not do that. Um, And so, you know, moving from very, very part-time church relations uh, staff at Dort historically to full-time partially has to do with the fact that Um, Our old way of connecting with the CRC was through the president preaching. Mm. And we don't do that anymore. Secondarily, of course, is the whole issue of of the Christian Reformed Church is a very different place than it was 25 years ago when Dr. Zalster became president at Dort. And so investing differently in our relationship with the instituted church, and Todd's just done a great job on that. So I could just add those two little interesting points to it.
0: Yeah, that's helpful.
1: I'd have to count. I don't know if I'm in how many weeks out of the year that I preach, but I think I've shared with you, I share with others that on a given month, I probably lead worship in between three and five services a month. So, yeah, mm, probably. in that zone. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you filled our pulpit at peace. Yeah, that was a joy to have some Dort students up there with uh, with the traveling worship team and to be able to lead worship there. It was a lot of fun being up there in fees. Well, it was wonderful hosting you.
2: In yeah, the old Christian Reformed Church, you used to have 104 opportunities a year to do it. Today, it's probably more, the average is probably closer to 52 than 104, but yeah, right. now we digress. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Todd, have you, what What have you been noticing? You notice that you're the church relations manager. you I means you've kind of got your finger in a lot of the local churches. Um, kind of throughout the Christian Reformed Church, are there things that are kind of jumping out at you as you're reaching out to these churches, things that you see like, hey, this is really good stuff
1: happening throughout the Christian sure. Reformed Church? What I've been noticing, I think, uh, primarily my preaching opportunities are have been regional. Um, preaching in several Christian Reformed churches that have been a... a Historical, great support for Dork. We have their, their students uh, bring them in. One of the things that I've seen locally, um, which is in, encouraging, but it's it's been a great opportunity for me, is that I've been able to lead worship in several, um, I will say formerly RCA congregations, but now they are Alliance of Reformed Churches or Kingdom Network Churches. Um, I've been in a few churches locally. Um, we'll talk about it probably a little bit more. But uh, one of the things that we hold as an important piece for our faculty and, uh, and key staff members is that we uh, ask and require that they be part of a confessionally reformed congregation. And whether they ascribe to the three forms of unity, as we do kind of in the Dutch reform side, Or in the Westminster Confession on the Presbyterian side, we have a PCA church in Hospers, which is about 20 minutes away from here. Um, So what I've been noticing is as these churches recently have left the RCA, there is a lot of willingness and openness to seek out new partnerships in places where historically maybe they would only allow people in their churches from you know, their own institutions, uh, their own colleges. Um, but now they're saying, Hey, um, we like the mission that, that DORT is about. Um, we've tried to be very transparent as where we stand, especially on some cultural issues and, um, and it's provided a really great opportunity for conversations. Um, I think elsewhere where I, where I travel, um, I think that there is an increasing desire for churches and specifically parents to be able to find places that have not, I would say, colleges and universities, Christian colleges and universities that have not, say, drifted uh, from their mission to provide Christian higher education. Um, They uh, like what DORT offers, not only as far as its programs and studies. But to the priority that we hold on scripture is foundational. Um, and to um how we understand from scripture how God calls us to live a life of flourishing when we talk about human relationships and sexuality and the like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah amen. And I would say, you know, I know um Dort seems to be having record-breaking enrollment every year, right?
2: Yeah, we have probably for about the last uh, 18 years, 2005 was our our low in enrollment. We had gone down from 2000 to 2005. And since 2005, we've more or less been growing every year now for 17 or 18 years.
0: Yeah. And as you're talking to some of these new people and these new partnerships that Todd was talking about and and new people coming into door, what what are some of the main reasons that you think? You know, is it, are you thinking is just, we just have done a really good job of marketing or is that there, uh, you know, Todd hinted at this already that people are coming because they really appreciate the vision and, uh, the kind of the center of where Dort is.
2: Yeah. Interestingly, you know, I moved here 26 years ago. I mentioned that to teach at Dort probably at that time, Dort was 80, I'm going to guess about 85% from the CRC today. We're at 36% or something. But we've grown. So that's part of it. Um, But part of it is, you know, Dr. Zalster, my predecessor, and I talked a lot about this, and and he said it this way. He said, Eric, you know that the host is dying. He didn't mean necessarily that the Christian Reformed Church was dying, but the host community that had started Dort, again, we're not owned by the Christian Reformed Church. We are affiliated. We've had a great relationship with Christian Reformed Church for 69 years now, but we're not owned by, uh, which is different than Calvin a little different than Trinity Redeemer and Kings but mm-hmm. um he said this that you know the, those old sociological and theological and familial bonds that held these people together that started dort and would you know my dad said this to me he said eric you can go to any college you want as long as it's trinity or calvin or dort yeah. <laughs> And I've told that story many, many times, and and hundreds, thousands of people had that same experience 30, 35 years ago. Yeah, But that's just, that was the installed infrastructure. And in Canada, it probably would have been, they would have added Kings or Redeemer onto those lists that parents and grandparents were telling their kids and grandkids that in spades. Today, you just don't see that. Um, you there are some families that do that yet to say, Hey, we'd prefer that you go to, you know, a, a Christian college would be nice, maybe even a reformed college, but it's so rare to hear that. And that's what he meant is that the founding communities of, of Dort aren't saying that to their kids anymore. And so that's what he meant by the host is dying. And so there, therefore we've had to yeah, not just sit back and assume that people are just going to come here because we're ignored. Um, And so, yes, we have gotten a lot more of the word out. But I also think that, you know, Reformed theology has had a, um, a resurgence or a growth in non-denominational, evangelical-free, Baptist. Um, I would even say a lot of other traditions, mm-hmm. Lutheran, you know, at some level. And again, I apologize. I never went to seminary, so you guys can correct me. Reformed, in my mind, at the essence of reformed, at least one way to say it is if you're really interested in applying biblical truth in your faith in Jesus Christ rigorously to every area of your life, you're pretty reformed. Yeah. And that's not exclusive to Dutch people or people that, you know, know what a CRC is. There's Lutheran people, Roman Catholic, evangelical free, non-denominational people that are, you know— I sometimes worship at Scottsdale Bible, one of the biggest churches in America in Scottsdale, Arizona. Jamie Rasmussen teaches them about sanctification and justification and predestination regularly at Scottsdale Bible without ever getting the Heidelberg Catechism out. And so what we're seeing is, is you know, I always say this, you're great for a campus visit at Dort. If your family took you to a Bible teaching church last Sunday, like you should come on a campus visit and check us out. Might not be right for you, but that's kind of the the base. And then if you, if we do our job right and be hospitably reformed, absolutely committed to the three forms of unity and confessional integrity and doctrinal you know foundations. But then we're just seeing kids thrive here from many other traditions, and that's why we're growing. and And at least in the Upper Midwest, there's some Lutheran colleges that today you go to a campus visit and they don't even know who Luther was or why God created the world. And and I'm not throwing any particular school under the bus. I'm just telling you that there are a lot of schools that historically families tell me a generation or two ago, we went to that college and got a solid Christian education today. We wouldn't send our kids there, even if it was free. And we're picking up a lot of those kids because um, we know what, we're doing in terms of the Christian worldview and we're keeping it central. And and I don't mean to say we're holier than Tao or we got it all figured out or we're perfect, but it is a fact that we're still very serious about the Christian faith. And we're seeing people come from lots of historical theological, as well as ethnic uh, communities that are way different than it was 40 years ago. Yeah. And just to,
1: just to tag onto that briefly, not only families and students that are looking at Dort that, Historically went to their own, say, uh, Christian college that maybe experienced submission drift, but I've also had lots of conversations where the history and the family was to send their students to the local state university, where the state university at least, you know, 20 years ago was at least ambivalent towards Christianity Um, Now finding uh, on those campuses that amidst the student body, but also with the faculty and administration that, you know, there can be adversarial, even antagonistic against Christians and saying there is something about having. Yes, I want to have a quality education, a world class education, but I would like to go to a place where my faith isn't constantly undermined, but it can be deepened. And uh, one of the things that I think we hold as a key vision here at Dort is to make that a priority. Is faith is foundational, and and uh, a Christian uh, world and life view is something that informs everything that we do.
3: Hmm. Yeah, um, when I when I served at Synod in 2019, Eric, that's actually when I saw your uh, your presentation for Education and Candidacy Committee, um, and then again in 2022. It, it's been a privilege to actually get to see. Uh, you kind of, you know, get, get to talk up, uh, Dort university a little bit. It's been a treat for me to see, uh, your guys with faithfulness. Uh, and that's kind of the trend that I've been catching here is you've been very faithful in what God has called each of you to do. And I think all you're saying right now is where fruit, uh, fruit will always follow faithfulness. Uh, so that's, that's the trend that I've seen. Would you guys say that that's kind
2: of been the key to your guys' success? Yeah, I think fruit will follow faithfulness. Dr. Zalstra, my predecessor, and I said, you know, we're just going to keep doing this. And if nobody at the end of the day, you know, wants a four-year residential, biblically infused Christocentric education for engineering or nursing or anything else, well, then we'll just close the door and sell the campus. Because changing is not an option. But what we're seeing is, yeah, people are very, very interested in that. And, um, yeah, thanks for I sometimes feel badly when I go to Synod and talk to the education committee because I sign it kind of sound like an old crank. But, you know, the church order. I would really love to see somebody bring an overture to Synod this year to cancel Article 71 of the church order. Because we're not paying attention to it. And I I feel like in some ways. um, yeah, we don't we don't witness well when we have something in our church order that we just ignore. It's sort of like, you know, me driving down the highway. I know the speed limit's 55, but I go 85. Um it doesn't provide a good witness. And Article 71 of course is that that article of the church order that talks about that churches should care about Christian day schools. Mm-hmm. And um there're still places in the Christian Reformed Church that do uh give a hoot, but um not like it used to. And and I really don't think we're living out Article 71. So if anybody's listening to this and has never looked at the church order, Google Article 71 CRC church order and see if you think your local congregation and eldership pays attention to that the way it was originally written.
0: I I have an assumption, and I could be wrong, but I would guess that Article 71 and, and the encouragement of Christian day schools is going to increase more and more as we, um, in, in the future, as, uh, I, I just, I've noticed, um, cause yeah, I've, I've been in a number of CRC congregations that have kind of been fairly ambivalent around Christian day school. And I'm very much not. I'm so I'm the opposite. I'm like, I, my kids, we, we were one of the parents that said public school, really not an option. And even also even some of the Christian schools that are just kind of Christian in name only, That's not, we're not going to, we're not going to spend $40,000 on an education that, (laughs) that is basically a public school education as well. We're looking for solid schools, but um, I see parents doing that all over the place um, right now because of uh, what Todd kind of insinuated is some of the public schools are getting, are kind of going, I'll just say off the deep end in a lot of ways, Christian high, are not Christian, just public high schools and everything. Um, and so even non-Christian pa- parents are seeing the public schools as going crazy and they're looking for someplace. And so like our, our local Christian school up here in Waupon, uh, we just, we're doing, we're in the middle of a renovation now doubling the size of our school. Um, yeah. And it's already, and it's already filling up. And so we've been, our school has been breaking record enrollments every year as well. Because people are coming out of the public school saying we need some place where we can have some sanity, where where somebody's taking a stand for something, and so I think I think people are looking mm-hmm. for Christian schools and 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 Christian colleges that are willing to say here's who we are, here's where we stand, and and uh, and come you know kind of take it or leave it really, and people are saying hey that's where I that's where I want to go. We don't they don't want to they're not looking for the the kind of fuzziness that that's so often out there
1: and i think the piece of the encouragement that i would provide pastors especially in those where there are um christian day schools available is um maybe you're not your your council may not be asking you to to preach the the christian education sermon once a year in right before school starts but don't be afraid. Um, I think sometimes people in the role of pastor, and I spent many years behind the pulpit myself in, in supporting Christian schools, feel some pressure that they they don't want to exclude the families that have chosen public education for their children. And we say at the root of things, the, the, the responsibility for the education of your children rests in the parents. But I think the Christian Reformed Church historically has always had a strong—it's one of our distinctives—a strong emphasis on on Christian education, and I think that that is something that we have to offer the world that can be a strength rather than something that we have to shy away from to make us more palatable to the to the the, the general Christian population. I think it is a gift. Um, uh, we don't send our kids to christian education we don't send our kids to dort university to say shelter or protect them from the world but to equip them well to send them out to be uh ready to engage in thoughtful ways to provide a christian witness um i i think it's i think it's uh something that we, we should hold before pastors right you know, in the conversation that Eric and I had before uh, this this meeting, just kind of prepping about things, I, I made the comment to him. I said, um, "You know, how many pastors, uh, if you ask them flat out, what what is Article Seventy-One of the Church Order? How many would it answer?" Well, you walk into to that same room and say, "What is Article Seventeen of the Church Order?" <laughs> Everybody would know that in a heartbeat. Um, so, uh, sad commentary on our denomination, but okay. that's very true. It is, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, and just as as you were talking, I was thinking of a quote. Uh, so I, heard, I read this quote by John Calvin, and he's talking about the Christian life, but I think it applies beyond that. He said, we ought always to take care that we do not, for the sake of life, lose the reason for living. Um, um, I think that, and I don't remember even the full context, but so often we can try to like save our life and then lose the whole reason for living. And and I see that playing out not only in people's lives, but also in the lives of of institutions as well, right? And so we can see that in, um, I've spoken to other presidents of other institutions, education institutions, who have said, man, we're really struggling for, for attendance right now. And so we need to like broaden things out and try to do whatever we can to make the pool bigger to draw in more people, and I keep trying to encourage them. Well, actually you're trying for the sake of the life of the institution, you're losing the reason that your institution exists. Right. And, uh, and it's even what, some of what we can, I don't know if we need to get there now, but some of what I've been saying, I feel like is happening in the Christian Reformed church as well, where we're so worried about our, the membership losses in the Christian Reformed church that we're kind of like, well, if we take a stand on anything, we're going to die as a denomination. It's like, well, no, you're, trying for the sake of life, you're you're losing the reason that that institution's even around.
2: Well, we're doing it, of course, because it's always been our mission. But I found some interesting data early in my presidency. It was about, um, what I want to say, um, doctrinally solid churches in Canada. Somebody did a big study on it and said the churches that are growing are the ones who are doctrinally sound, and the mainline churches in Canada are losing. And somebody in that, one of the articles that I read about it said, you know, if I go to church and nobody's challenging me in terms of how I'm living, then what's the point? Like, I'm supposed to go there to have have this gospel sort of shake me up and change me. Um, I thought it was really interesting. And I, again, it's not the reason that we're doing it is is marketing, but it is cool that, yeah, I, I would say we're one of the only five or 10 in the Midwest that, that are serious about it and, and have as comprehensive a group of majors and has a compelling campus community that I always say to students, don't let your classes get in the way of your education. I think about half of the value we do here is just helping kids grow up from 18 to 22, learn how to socialize, um, perhaps uh, have a courting relationship, build good friends, um learn how to do life and then yeah okay we give them some skills too um but you know we're just one of the very few schools that are doing that and more people are coming and it's it's heartening and encouraging and yeah we got to build some buildings so Mm -hmm. that's right
0: yeah yeah you guys are about to undergo a pretty big uh some big additions coming up here too right
2: Yeah, we would always plan to do a new dining commons. Our old one's 50 plus years old, but um, we didn't see having to build dormitories. So this summer we're building 100 new beds after building 16, well, about 40 new beds the year before. And we're, yeah, we're on a building frenzy here to keep up because we want to continue.
0: Whoever wants to come, we want to serve them. So
2: it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah. What are some of the, I would, I'd be curious to hear from you guys, you know, you're, you're getting, you said you're you're getting this broad pool of young adults coming into your school. Um, what are some of the kind of broad cultural challenges you're seeing these, these young adults come into, into your school with?
2: Addiction to phones that, it's you know, and yeah, pornography comes through their phones, but also just, you know, fear of missing out or you only live once mentality that comes through those phones. And they're just comparing their dull, boring lives to, you know, Britney Spears or Kim Kardashian and, you know, depression. And, and I guess I don't measure up kind of stuff. I mean, if we could, we get rid of smartphones. um, And, and actually I see students kind of waking up and saying, you know, I'm not going to be ruled by my phone five years ago. There's more of that. Um, So, you know, just, social environmental stuff um, is, is definitely one of the challenges
0: that's all we have for this week if you want to help us out and support the messy reformation another thing you can do is head on over to messyreformation.com look in the menu bar and find join the reformation by clicking on that you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get episodes sent right directly to your email inbox and it will give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head on over there and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Todd Zydema and President Hookstra from Dort University. But until then, don't forget this is Christ church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.